To start the year, we're going to be in a sermon series called The Way We See the World. And what I mean by that is, regardless of the church you go to, if it's an evangelical Christian church, you're going to find that their statements of faith are very similar. Um, They'll say that they believe that that God expresses himself and as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that... um, because of sin, we've been separated from God, and because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we can be brought back into relationship with God. Um, that at the end of time, when we die, or when Jesus comes back, um, those who have lived in relationship with God and lived in obedience to Him, and loved Him, and known that they were loved by Him, will live forever with Him. And those who who lived in rebellion to God and didn't want God in their lives, that they will live in separation from him for eternity. Like These are things that, although they are big ideas, big concepts that we believe are true, um, these are things that even though so many churches will say yes to them, that they're expressed in the life of the church in very different ways. So you can have, say, two churches that both say the same thing, but... If someone comes in that isn't like them, those churches will respond in very different ways to that person. And I know I'm, I'm keeping that somewhat general, but I want you to fill in the blank. Knowing that, that even though they say we both have the same faith, that faith is expressed in completely different ways. The church lives in their community and loves or cares for their community in very different ways. And so when I say the way we see the world... What we want to show in the the upcoming uh, eight weeks, including this week, is is how the Refuge Church plans on living out our statement of faith. And that is both through our mission and vision. Our mission is Christ's healing community. That's, That's what we hope if anyone touches in any way the Refuge Church or the Refuge Church and people as a, a part of it touch the community in any way that they see that, that they see the reality of who God is in the person of Jesus and that he is about the healing of individuals and people and bringing community together. Um, the way that is expressed in our vision is this, and I've, uh, we've written it down and I'm going to read it for you guys just so you, you can know like what to expect from the Refuge Church. It's this, that we want to be a church of the city, incarnating King Jesus in city life, speaking its language, singing its rhythms, sharing spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, and inviting the city into the kingdom of God. I'm going to read that for you again. A church of the city incarnating King Jesus into city life, speaking its language, singing its rhythms, sharing its spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, and inviting the city into the kingdom of God. Now, I don't expect you to have captured all that. Uh, In the next uh, seven weeks after today, we're going to be going through that piece by piece, and and it's going to be kind of fun. I'll be Um, switching off every week with a different one of the new elders who will be preaching and helping helping articulate. Yeah, we got like a woo! Uh, um, We'll be helping explain what we mean when we say this. So today we're we're going to look at what we mean when we say Christ healing community. When I think of Christ healing community, the first thing that, that 
comes to mind, the first thing that comes out of me is the desire for a feeling. And I know that feelings cannot always be true, but I'll explain what I mean. The feeling I desire when I hear Christ's healing community is the feeling that feels so primal, so natural, which is to simply be loved. <laughs> that, that I want to, like, at the very base of my existence, I want to be cared for by people around me. And I think for all of us, that's something that the most basic way we share together. If I meet anyone, no matter where they are, no matter what culture they come from, one thing I can assume about them is that they have a deep longing to be loved and accepted. And even though we all share this common desire, even though all of us, like, even though maybe we're too scared to express that because we feel vulnerable with it, um, we want that. And, and so the question is, why, if we all want that, is it so hard or does it feel so evasive? Why does it feel like it's so hard to grab a hold of? Um, G.K. Chesterton, who was an author and a, a playwright, he read an article uh, in the newspaper that said, basically, uh, what's wrong with the world? That was the question. And he wrote a letter to the editor and, and simply said, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. And, and so when we, when we approach this question of why, why is the desire to be loved and cared for, why is it so evasive, it's, it's not the things that we can point at far across the waters or across the street, right? It's not just ISIS or whatever we can point our finger at and, and judge or live in fear of, but, but it's a much more personal thing, right? Why it evades us isn't just something out there, but it's something uh, in here. And so as we turn to the scriptures, we turn to John 4, I want to show us together how how uniquely in Christ we, we find that we can be healed, and as we're healed, we can build um, true community together. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 4. I'm going to read with you uh, verses 1 through 26, and then skip down to 39 and go to 42. We're going to read a lot here, so if it helps, you can close your eyes and listen or follow along. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus Being tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet time is coming, has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one who speak to you, am he. Now down to 39, it starts, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. How we find in here the answer to our desire to be loved and our desire to be accepted and our desire to simply be together starts in this, that to to be together, to find belonging, requires that there is an invitation, that there is an invitation extended that we can say yes to, and in responding to that, we can find ourselves belonging uh, we, have, we have two people here in this story. And uh, we have one who is doing the inviting, Jesus, and we have one who is getting invited, and that is the, the Samaritan woman. And I want to explain to you a little bit about, about how they fit in the story, because this is possibly the most fascinating part. You have this woman who's a Samaritan woman, and you know a lot about her simply because she is Samaritan. Samaritans were people who the Jews wouldn't associate with because... Uh, it was like they were less than human. Um, somewhere along the way, uh, the Samaritans who were Jews, they um, had kids with people who uh, weren't Jews, and so they were seen as kind of half-breeds, right? And, and so the Jews just saw them as like inferior to them. And so the Jews would do everything they could to avoid being around a Samaritan. And so that's one thing you know from this her just simply being called the Samaritan woman, but we learn a lot more about her from the setting that we find her in. She's a woman coming out to a well in the middle of the day. It says that she comes out at noon. And so, if you know anything about about the culture that time, you, you didn't go out at noon to get water. And also, you didn't go out alone to get water. Noon was 
too hot to go out and be found in the beating sun just to collect water. And so you go out early in the day before the sun came out to collect water. And you'd also go with a big group of women, right? You'd all go out together. It was your time to talk about how your kids were doing and the gospel of the community, whatever it was. And, and you'd go to the well and you'd, you'd get the water and it was this social time. And yet here's this woman um, alone, lonely, going out by herself to get water. And so we know more about her than simply she's a Samaritan who the Jews reject. We also know that she also is living with a certain shame from her community that, that either she doesn't feel like she can be around the people in her community or they don't feel like they can be around her or maybe both are true. So we have this woman who, who has literally is, is friendless who's coming out in the middle of the day to get water. And even though she is friendless, we meet the person who invites her into relationship. We meet Jesus. And, and we still find out more about her. And this is, I think my favorite part, is Jesus, who we know, like, we like Jesus. We know Jesus. And we're like, Jesus would be the coolest guy ever to hang out with. And, and he, comes up, he comes up to her and he says, will you, will you get me a drink of water? And any of us would have been like, let's go get a full meal together. Right? But instead of doing that, she, she like turns him down. This is amazing. So here's this woman who is friendless, but instead of accepting the invitation of the most loving person ever to get a drink of water with, she has this incredible fighting spirit. Right? No friends, but she's not going to be friended easily. And so she says to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink of water? She shuts him down. And so Jesus, the inviter, lets her in just a little bit. He, he, he takes one step closer and then asks her to take one step closer. And he starts revealing who he is, the one inviting her into belonging, who he is. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, who it is, who Jesus is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the incredible thing we get in this initial interaction is that even though Jesus has the ability to satisfy her needs, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, he didn't start with that. But he started by exposing his need to her. Isn't this profound? <laughs> so Jesus could have, could have amazed her. He could have come up to her and said, you know, table appear, feast appear. And, and, and that would have been amazing, but instead he says, he asks her, he exposes his need, could you get me a drink of water? He exposes his vulnerability to her. Um, and after she shuts him down, he, 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 in taking a step closer, shows that, that he can and has the ability to provide her with something if only she asked for it. If only she asked for it. And after dancing around a little more, finally she gives and she asks for it. In verse 15, she says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep 
coming here to draw water. So we will touch on that in a second. But what I want to ask for you as we close this part of who Jesus is, the one who invites you, um, I just want to ask this simple question that, that played in my mind more than any other question as I studied this passage. And that was, why is Jesus not repulsed by the woman at the well? Why is Jesus not disgusted by the woman at the well? Because the way Jesus was raised, the impression he would have got from anyone in the community would have been, don't spend time with her. So Jesus is risking scandal. He's risking how people will personally think of him simply by sitting and sharing a drink with her. Why would Jesus risk that? And I asked that to a friend yesterday, and <laughs> her simple response was, well, that, that's the Bible. That's who God is. God is full of mercy and rich in love. God is full of mercy and rich in love. And so while Jesus' culture would have said, be disgusted with this woman, Jesus shows the heart of God who is rich in mercy and full in love, full of love, and he sits with her. And he takes one step closer and asks her to take one step closer and takes one step closer and asks her to come one step closer to meet her exactly where she's at. And so moving from who Jesus is and the invitation he gives, we we come to the second part of, so how does healing take place? And you'd think healing would take place in verse 15 where she says, okay, sir, give me your water. (laughs) I think she's like, impress me. But, but Jesus knew that she was not ready to be healed. Jesus knew she wasn't ready to be healed because he had peeled back one layer, right? The, the one layer which was her giving him the time of day, right? Okay, sure, show off. Give me living water. And so Jesus, after taking one layer off, gently with care and love, he asked her a simple question that will will completely undo her. And that question is simply this. Go call your husband. See, so Jesus being honest with her and simply saying, go call your husband, he exposes in her what needs to be exposed in all of us, which deeply, deeply rooted in us is a suffering and an isolation that can only be met, can only be satisfied, can only be healed when we respond without any ghosts in the closet anymore, with knowing that God knows completely who we are, that we can respond to his offer and his invitation. Uh, a quote by a, a man who I feel like a good friend of mine because I've, I've just lived in some of his works, uh, Jean Vanier, he says... They're working 25 years with men and women with severe disabilities. He says, I've discovered that even though a person may have severe brain damage, that is not the source of his or her greatest pain. The greatest pain is rejection. The feeling that no, nobody really wants you like that. The feeling that you are seen as ugly, dirty, a burden of no value. That is the pain I've discovered at the heart of our people. So she thought, you know what? People still reject me and they... They, 
They think all these things about me, but sure, give me your living water and I'll just put that on top of it all. And Jesus says, no, no. We're going we're gonna to dig down to the, the very root of what's going on in your life. We're not going to avoid it any longer. And I think the scary thing is that, that oftentimes what we want to do is we want to keep those things, those things that if they are revealed, will maybe for a moment cause more pain without realizing that, and this, this is important, if you leave with anything, leave with this, that healing cannot come when we hide from one another. So she thought she could remain hidden and yet still have what Jesus offered. But that's not possible. And so Jesus enters with honesty, allowing her to be honest. And this is the beautiful thing is that other people have been honest with her, right? The town was honest with her. They probably called her a slut and a whore and, and you, know, you just sleep around. That's probably what they told her. And so they were in one way honest with her, but Jesus went beyond honesty to being honest of who she really was, her potential. He saw her for who she was, that she had had five husbands and now was living with a man that wasn't her husband. But he saw in her someone who could hold living water. Right? who could still be healed and restored completely so that springs of eternal water could still gush from within her. And that's good news. He saw her potential and was honest with her there. And that's where healing comes from. This is why I commit my life completely and wholeheartedly to follow Jesus. Not because he allows me to avoid what's going on in me and still accepts me, but he... He gently helps me confront the, the darkness that I've carried, the hurt and the suffering and the self-inflicted pain that I've carried. And he comes and exposes those things gently to me and with care. And in that place shows me how he actually loves me and invites me into a healing relationship with him. So healing comes from this honest diagnosis. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you have been? Do you know who you were made to be? And do you want to meet the Messiah who can restore you completely to life? That's what's being offered here. When she says, still holding on to excuses, maybe when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything. And he says to her, I, the one who speak to you, am he. And he answered all of her questions. He answered all of her questions because she knew that no matter what else came to mind, he knew her completely and he loved her completely. So how do we move from that reality of the one who invites us, the one who heals us, to community? Because that can be a deeply personal experience to go through that as an individual. But how do we, how do we move into that space together? The way we move into that space together, you see... And that that she, this one who was rejected by her community, her town, her city. These people that rejected her, her first instinct when when Jesus shows her herself and lets her know that she is loved completely, is her first response is to go back into the city that has rejected her and say, come and meet this person who what? Listen, it says, 39, he told me everything I ever did. Right? Imagine that, like, 
if someone told you everything you ever did, probably but your first response would be like, come talk to that guy. <laughs> no, you'd be like, like, get out of town. Right? <laughs> right? Because you'd be like, what if he told them? But she at that point she didn't care. People could know who she had been. Because her identity was no longer in those things, but she'd been healed because she'd met the one who loved her and would never stop loving her. And so she calls them all out to come meet Jesus. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful testimony. And so the rest of them could, could come out and, and meet him, but they weren't just going to take her word for it. Right? Obviously they could see that something went on in her life, but they weren't just going to take her word for it and believe And so they come out, and they meet him themselves. And after meeting her, they say to her, verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. We have been exposed. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We know for ourselves. And so when we invite people into this community, this community where we can be known, not for a mask we put on, but be known for who we actually are. We can invite people into that. Not that they have to take our word for it, but we can trust that as they experience that vulnerability together and know that they're loved. We're not going to shut the door in their faces. When things get challenging, we're not going to cast them out. We're going to love them through that. This has been, since the very beginning, the desire of the Coffee Oasis and the Refuge Church. That's our story, to be a place where all people can meet Jesus, both those who love God and those who feel very far away from him. And I I just want to invite you guys um, into that. If you say you're a part of the Refuge Church or you're interested in, in being a part of this community, this is the way we see the world through stories like this one, realizing that, that we don't have community by hiding from one another, but we have community through being honest with each other and then, and then with that honesty, showing each other the goodness and the grace of God. Knowing that we can talk about the, the deep things, the things that maybe we felt that couldn't be exposed in ourselves. And knowing that we can expect, though we don't feel like we deserve it, we can expect the grace extended because I am no more perfect than you are. Um, but I've heard of this one God, Jesus, who I see the proof of his love and I want to respond to that. And if we create a community like that, a community that we aren't just going, okay, it doesn't matter what we do because it matters tremendously what we do. It matters that this woman hurt herself. It matters that she was an outcast because she'd hurt herself and others. That matters. But what matters more is that there's an invitation to come. And when we come, we can be healed completely and we can heal together. And there doesn't need to be anything in between us. We can just love God without hindrance and without hesitation. That is the dream. of being a part of the Refuge Church, that we'll do that together humbly and honestly. And guys, I pray as we, we start this year that we'll courageously do this, um, that we'll, we will hold each other up in this light.
and, and that ultimately we will be really good this year at, at uh, being the one first to share, being one first to be honest, and then, and then when that happens to, um, to just with open arms accept one another and love each other. Um, that can happen in a lot of ways. It can happen through being in a community group, going to Steel Cut Win or, or uh, Refuge Women. It can also happen just by, man, when you're here on a Sunday morning making lunch plans with somebody and, and getting past the casual talk of how's work going, just to say, you know, like, really, how are you doing? Um, it takes courage. Um, it takes courage for Jesus to rather than say, hey, I've got all the answers, to say, hey, I'm thirsty. And that could sound like you just saying to someone, hey, I'm hungry, let's get a bite to eat. And, and with that first step, opening up the opportunity for you guys to live in the light together and show one another Jesus. And so if we do that, we'll be a people who live in the radiance of God's presence. So pray with me and we'll worship him together. God, this can seem uh, too good to be true. It can seem like, like something is almost scary to believe. God, by your spirit and your mercy, give us brave hearts to open up our souls to the uttermost to you, to fill us and from that place to, to be generous with love for one another. God, thank you for sending Jesus so we have no excuses. We can't say you haven't proved your love because you have. God, help us say yes. Yes completely to that. We love you. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.